You're listening to a podcast from Father Peter Smith, St. Columbus Parish, North Leichhardt, on the fifth Sunday of Easter. And now here's Father Peter. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Judas had gone, Jesus said, Now has the Son of Man been glorified, and in him God has been glorified. If God has been glorified in him, God will in turn glorify him in himself and will glorify him very soon. My little children, I shall not be with you much longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You also must love one another. By this love you have for one another Everyone will know that you are my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. I sometimes wonder what it must have been like for those very early disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection. As we continue to live these days of Easter, where we're hearing the stories of how that early church began to establish itself. They must have been in great turmoil feeling as though they'd been left abandoned by Jesus, having gone back to the Father. And there they were trying to work out, what is the challenge? What are we supposed to do? They very quickly realised that they needed the support of each other. And so they began to gather together in houses, to share meals, to talk about where they were going. And if we listen to the readings, it seems as though they were quite idyllic in what they were doing. I'm sure that was far from the truth. They were still humans, and we we do get the hint at times that there were lots of debates, lots of discussions, and even, dare I say, arguments amongst those early Christians. But there was one thing that stood out and made them different, and the pagans recognised it. It was the fact that they were people who loved one another. In fact, it was said by the pagans, see these Christians, how they loved one another. That's what identified them and set them apart. But it wasn't just loving one another who were in their little group, those who were gathered together. They loved people out into the community. It was very important for those early Christians to care for those most in need, and especially in those times, widows and orphans, for they were people who had no financial support and were often left abandoned. The gospel that we read today is part of what's called the last discourse. It was uh, Jesus' final words that are written down in John. It's interesting that in his final words, he tells them what he wants them to be. I want you to be loving people. I want you to love one another. And if you want an example of what that means, love one another just as I have loved you. And so the disciples were continually challenged to look back at Jesus' life and to see in what way was he a loving person? What did it mean to him to love other people? And hopefully that's what they tried to imitate. See these Christians, how they love one another. And we skip forward these more than 2,000 years and you and I are the people who continue to witness to that love in the world. I'd like to think that the same thing could continue to be said about us. See these Christians, how they love one another. But I'm not always sure that that's true. Because so often we can be 
self-centred and selfish about our own faith and our own religion, wanting it more than other things, wanting it more than reaching out into the community. In the second reading today from Apocalypse, we hear about John's vision, the vision of a new heaven, a new earth, a new world in which this becomes a reality, the reality of a loving people caring for each other, not just in words, but in fact in practice, and that this was God's lasting legacy through the person of Jesus, a world in which it would be very different where we would be loving people. I wonder if that's the world that you and I see. I don't know if you've heard, but next Saturday there's going to be an election. And I don't know if any of you have noticed, but there's been a bit of advertising around it. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, there seem to be lots and lots of people in the newspapers, on radio, on TV, on Twitter, on Facebook, yelling at me and telling me who I should vote for. But the interesting part that I find about all of those people yelling at me as to who I should vote for, it's always about me. Vote for me, Peter, because you will get more. You will be better off in this world. You will have whatever it might be. And so our politicians carefully sit down and they plot. Which are the areas that we need to work on? Who are the people that we need to get to vote for us? And what can we offer them that will turn their minds to vote for us? I'll tell you who I'd like to vote for. I'd like to vote for someone who stands up and says, I've got a vision of a new heaven and a new earth and a new Australia. An Australia where people care for each other. Peter, I've got some bad news for you. Your taxes might go a little bit higher, but we're going to use that money to build social housing, to care for the poor and needy. We're going to use that money to build up those who are most in need in society. I haven't heard that in any of the screaming. Perhaps what we need is to recognise that we need a new heaven and a new earth and a new Australia, a land where we love each other and we reach out to those most in need, where our politics does not argue at what I will get out of it or how I will be better off, but how we will have a better nation, how we will have a nation where it's not just about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and the marginalised being left behind, but that we will work for a common good, for a common Australia, where all people are cared for. And maybe, just maybe, somebody overseas might look at us and say, see these Australians, how they love one another.